Well, I hope you might have uh, spotted a theme from the hymns that we've been singing, very much a focus on the death of the Lord Jesus Christ and all that accomplished. Just the last few verses, last few lines of the verse we just sung, Amazed, I wonder why he, the sinless one, should die for one so vile as I, my Saviour, he. Glorious verses, aren't they? Well, if you could turn in your Bibles to the uh, passage that I read earlier, we're in John chapter 1, and an encounter that John the Baptist has with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we're starting something of a, of a series in, in the mornings. It's good to have a consistent ministry, and that's, you know, that's obviously a challenge uh, during an interregnum uh, period. But uh, as you know, Peter Milsom is working his way through uh, Joshua when he's preaching, so we have that series uh, on, on the go. And uh, we've decided that when Peter's not preaching, but others of us are, we will, we will deal with different encounters uh, of, of people with the Lord Jesus Christ, and then latterly with the Apostle Paul as well, as we move from the Gospels into Acts. So that's kind of the plan uh, for the morning ministry in these coming weeks. And this is the first of the encounters. Uh, just to give you a little bit of the, of the context, Jesus has only just begun his earthly ministry. He'd been baptised uh, by John, albeit under protest from John. John sort of saying, you know, I shouldn't be baptising you, it should be the other way around. And Jesus said, no, no, it's right that I be baptised. And so he was, and that's recorded for us in other of the Gospels. And then after Jesus is baptised, he then... Uh, goes for 40 days into the wilderness where he is tempted. After this, he's back in Bethany, which is where this uh, incident takes place. And he's in Bethany for a period of of four days. It's a four-day period covered by these verses. And on day one, Verse 19, this is the testimony of Jesus when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? Um, the religious leaders want to find out what is, jo- what is John up to? Why has he been baptising who is he? Is he some sort of silly false prophet that they've got to, to, to sort out? So they're sent to, uh, to check him out. You know, who are you? What are you doing? And then in the course of the discussion that they have with, with, with John, we find out certain things about John the Baptist. We find out who he wasn't. We find out that he's not the Christ. Verse 20, he confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. So John the Baptist clearly saying at the outset of his ministry, don't think of me as the coming Messiah. I'm not the coming Messiah. Um, that's not me. But, and, then they, and then they said, well, well perhaps are you, are you Elijah. They're mindful of the fact that Elijah never died. Maybe Elijah had come back again in, in the flesh in the form of John the Baptist. And he says, no, no, I'm not Elijah either. So then option number Three, well, are you the prophet? Not are you a prophet, are you the prophet? Now, this is a reference back to a passage in Deuteronomy where, where Moses made a promise that, that, that the prophet would come. 
And uh, the Jews thought that this was some reference to another important forerunner of the Lord Jesus Christ. The reference to the prophet actually, as we find out from other bits of scripture, is a reference to Jesus himself. So John is able again to say, no, I'm not the prophet. I'm not the Christ. I'm not Elijah. I'm not the prophet. Well, who are you then? They say, verse 22. So they said to him, who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? To which he responds, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. That's a quote from Isaiah, the prophet. So who was John? What was he about? Well, he speaks to himself, doesn't he, as a kind of a preparer of the way, a voice crying out, in the wilderness what does a preparer of the way do well I think in 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 simple terms it's like someone kind of rolling out the red carpet the red carpet says something doesn't it it says that someone important is coming the person who rolls out the red carpet is in a sense nothing he does it and he, he 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 disappears and John is saying well think in those Terms. Someone special is coming. I'm announcing him. I'm, I'm pointing to the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm saying, behold, look, take note. It was very important to John to stress the fact of how inferior he was to the Lord Jesus Christ. We read uh, in in. in in, in the passage that I, I read earlier, he, he uses this expression, I'm not worthy to untie his sandals. He says elsewhere, he must increase and I must decrease. And in the passage again that we were looking at, he speaks in terms of, of Christ who comes after me but has surpassed me because he was before me. So John goes out of his way to stress the uniqueness, the importance of the Lord Jesus Christ and to play down who he is. And yet when Jesus speaks of of John the Baptist, he says he's the greatest of all the prophets, Matthew 11. And Jesus says, although he's not Elijah, he comes in the spirit of Elijah. There's There's a sense in which John the Baptist and Elijah are really quite Similar, they, they arise very suddenly. They boldly proclaim the need to repent. They're forthright in their, in, in their preaching. They, they call upon people to repent. They pronounce judgment. Uh, when John is uh, speaking to a crowd, uh, including many of the religious leaders, he, he doesn't mince his words. He, he, he says to them, you, he says, you're like a brood of of vipers well it's strong stuff isn't it Uh, you're not going to fall asleep while John the Baptist is preaching so he is a great prophet he's he's in a sense the last of the Old Testament prophets you could sort of say well Malachi surely is the last of the Old Testament prophets but there's a sense in which John the Baptist is Um, all the prophets pointed to Christ and, and, and John does that in a particular way He's different, obviously, to the Old Testament prophets because he's also an eyewitness and a, and a contemporary of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, as well. So just picture him, dramatic in appearance, striking in what he's 
saying. And then we come to this actual encounter, verse 29. The next day he saw Jesus coming towards him. This is day two of Jesus' time uh, in, in, in Bethany. And Jesus comes and John sees him coming. And the encounter is recorded in these few verses that we're going to look at, verses 29 through to 34. And I think there's three things that John wants to make clear. And they're these. The first is this, that Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away sin. That's truth number one that that John wanted folk to know. And he wanted folk to know as well, secondly, that Christ was the special one, co-eternal with the Father. I struggled over using the term special one because it's been hijacked, hasn't it, by a certain football manager. But uh, Christ is a, is a, is really is a special one. And then the third truth is this, that uh, Jesus is the Son of God who alone can make New. He speaks in terms of his baptism. Um, I baptise with water, but Christ will baptise with the Holy Spirit. And what a difference that will, that will make. So three truths that I want to try and unpack a little this morning. The first being that Jesus is the Lamb of, of God. The Lord Jesus comes onto the, the scene. He walks into town, as it were. John sees him. And the first thing he says... Behold the Lamb of God. Now, if you'd been there at the time, uh, what might you have thought? Uh, This was a new expression. This is an expression that John coined, speaking of Jesus as the Lamb of, of, of God. What thoughts would that bring to your mind? Well, you might think, well, lambs are a gentle sort of uh, creatures. Perhaps he's he's telling us about... um, Uh, Jesus is kind of meek and mild and and gentle and in a sense that's true but it's uh, you know that doesn't get to the heart of it at all Uh, there's a giveaway really because he says behold the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world when people heard John speaking of Jesus as the lamb of God they would have immediately thought of of sacrifice lambs get sacrificed at the particular time that uh, this event took place, just uh, a short while ahead, not sure whether it was days or, or weeks, they would soon come to the Passover celebration and the custom of sacrificing a lamb. And they would think then of God's promise, wouldn't they, going back into Exodus and the uh, a, a account, dramatic account of the people of Israel leaving uh, Egypt They'd have thought of God's promise, when I see the blood, I will pass over. The Apostle Paul picks up on the same truth when he says, it's one, this is 1 Corinthians 5, Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. So these are the sort of thoughts that would have been going through their mind. They'd have thought of the morning and evening sacrifices that took place and a lamb was sacrificed It's in in accordance with instructions given back in the Old Testament in Numbers 28. They'd have recalled the promise uh, to Abraham in in Genesis when he was about to sacrifice his own son. God himself 
will provide the lamb for the burnt offering. They may have thought back to Isaiah and, and uh, Isaiah 53, 7, which many of you will be familiar with, which speaks of Christ being like a lamb led to the slaughter. They'd have thought of sin atoned for, of substitution, of one dying so that another may live. These are all the thoughts that uh, John would have wanted them to think when he described Jesus as the Lamb of God. <clears throat> I think it's important just to sort of pause there and to, to just to note that this is a truth that, that John wants to kind of shout from the the rooftops this is something i really want people to know that christ is the lamb of god he could have spoken of many other attributes of the lord jesus christ he could have spoken of christ as our master and our coming king and our teacher and our example and all of these things are, are, are true but it's as if john is is saying if you if you miss this aspect if you miss the fact that christ is the if the, is the lamb of god you miss Everything. If you grasp it, everything else about the Lord Jesus Christ will fall into place. So, just I ask you the question: Do you do you see the Lord Jesus Christ as God's Lamb slain for you? I I I hope you do. But if you don't, if you can't think of of Jesus as the Lamb of God slain for you, you've not even begun to enter the Christian life. That's how vital it is. Well, so much for the title. What about the work? What did Jesus come to do? Well, he came, as John tells us, to take away the sin of the world. Not just to take away the sin of the, of the Jews, God's supposed people, but for all people, Jew and for Gentile, male and female, young and old, to take away the sin of the world. He is the saviour. I was saying this to the children earlier on, wasn't I? Uh, think of the command of the angel to, to Mary at, uh, at, at his birth. You shall call him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. So he came to save. He didn't come to conquer. He didn't come primarily to teach uh, morality or to lead some sort of uprising. He came uh, to save. And he did it because we need saving. In the letter to the Hebrews, uh, the writer says this, Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. This is the, the biblical teaching. It runs through the whole of Scripture, and we need to get our heads around it. And all the Old Testament uh, sacrifices that we, that, w- that we can read about, they're, they're shadows, they're pointers to a more perfect sacrifice. And, of course, the perfect sacrifice is that of the Lord Jesus. So, Jesus, the Lamb of God, is the focus of John's announcement. It's interesting, too. It ought to be the focus uh, for preachers as well. This is what the Apostle Paul says uh, in 1 Corinthians 2 about his priorities in preaching. He says this, And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. That was the centre of his 
message. So Jesus is the Lamb of God. Secondly, Jesus is the special one. Verse 30, this is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. I mean, we could spend hours kind of trying to fully understand what John is really saying there because he was before me. But he's speaking of the fact that uh, Jesus, like his, his, his father, never had a beginning. He was there in the beginning. He's co-eternal with the Father. And as far as John is concerned, well, Jesus is on an altogether different level. It's like comparing you know, the infinite with the, the finite, the full light of the sun with the reflected light of the moon, the eternal and the temporal. There's a huge difference between John the Baptist as a, as a great, as a special prophet, and the Lord Jesus Christ. A huge contrast. So never think of, of Christ in some way as just some sort of special prophet. You haven't begun, begun to understand things if that's your, your thinking. John wants us to know Jesus is the sum and substance of what we believe. <clears throat> if you talk to uh, people who are not uh, Christians and uh, maybe they're, they're in- inquiring or chatting with you and about things that puzzle them, about what they think uh, Christianity is all about, they, they, they make come up with all sorts of things and ask you about, oh, there's all these different churches. What do you, what do you say? Oh, yes, you're a Baptist church. And, well, what do the Methodists do? And, and why do you dress uh, differently and to the others? And some wear you know, special outfits and, and others don't. And, and maybe they've got various philosophical questions that they, that, that they want to ask about the problem of, of evil and many other things beside. Um, But surely the job of the believer is to point them to the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is what John the Baptist is is doing. Take a look at the Lord Jesus Christ. What do you think of his claims? He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. If if you uttered those words to to, to someone, you wouldn't dare utter them, would you? Because it's, it's it's, it's a claim to be God. I'm the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus says. I'm the bread of life. I'm the resurrection and the life. I'm the good shepherd. I'm the light of the world. And so we could go on. All these claims that Christ made. Well, do you regard him as as special? Do you see that he's altogether different than, than John the Baptist and all the other prophets? He's not just a good teacher. Some of you will have heard of uh, C.S. Lewis, a great Christian a, a, a apologist. He was an atheist at one at one time, and uh, he became a Christian. He, he said, I was dragged kicking and screaming into the kingdom of, of, of God. And he became a great Christian apologist, and he said these words, which uh, I'll, I'll repeat. I know they've been read from this pulpit before, but I'll repeat them because I think they're helpful. This is what he says. I'm trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him, about Jesus. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. And that's what he's claiming. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with the man who says he's a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. 
you must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon. Or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronising nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He didn't intend to. Now, it seems to me obvious that he was neither a lunatic nor a fiend. And consequently, however strange or terrifying or unlikely it may seem, I have to accept the view that he was and is God. Some people have spoken of this as as C.S. Lewis's trilemma. He sets up three kind of choices. Simply put, is Jesus a lunatic, a liar, or is he Lord? Uh, Well, he clearly isn't the first two, so he must be Lord. And that has consequences for us, doesn't it? If Jesus Christ is Lord, well, what are you going to do about that? Will you bow to him as Lord? Well, the last thing, and quickly, that uh, John wanted people to know is that Jesus is the Son of God who alone can make things new. In a sense, he's continuing to press the point that Christ is special. And he does it, he's contrasting the baptism that he administers and the baptism that only Jesus can do. Basically, John is saying, I I just do what I'm told. I've been commissioned to baptise with water. I don't come under my own authority. I was sent by another uh, to do that. And water baptism is, is, is just a sign of something deeper. I deal in signs, he's, he's saying. The water that I use, it might clean the outside, but it does nothing for the inside. It doesn't eradicate sin within. On the other hand, Jesus deals with reality. His baptism is a baptism of the Spirit, and it works, it's, it's, it's different, it deals with the inner man, it deals with the heart. It deals, like those verses I read at the start of the service in Ezekiel, uh, where it says, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. So what's John talking about? He's talking about conversion and what happens to someone when they become a believer, about regeneration, about that work of God in in the soul that imparts life. Water baptism doesn't impart life at all. We know that. We we know it's a sign. When someone is baptised here, uh, we're not making Christians. It's someone who is already a Christian, who has already experienced that work of God God coming and and professing. And it's, it's a picture for us, isn't it? Sadly, it's possible for some to have had a water baptism, but not to be a Christian at all. They've just dealt with the outward, and they're relying on the outward, but the inward's never taken place. It's possible to be a member of the church, and you may have persuaded yourself and others as well that you're a true believer, but you've never known anything of this real experience of conversion, of this baptism of the Spirit, as John is calling it here, which is the initiation into the Christian life. It's the new birth. So it's possible to settle for the sign and not to settle for the reality. And what a danger that is. And if you're in that position, then you need to come 
uh, to the Lord Jesus Christ in repentance and faith to the one that can give you life. Well, those are the three things that John wanted people to know. That Jesus is the Lamb of God that takes away our sin. That he was special. That he's the Son of God that can make all things new. Just a few thoughts as we, as we close. Uh, what would John have wanted people to take away with them after he'd had this encounter with Jesus? Well, maybe many things. Here are a few. That we're to think much on Jesus as, as the Lamb of God. However we think of the Lord Jesus Christ, kind of top of the list must be we think of him as Lamb of, the Lamb of God. He died for me. By his wounds I'm healed. And what ought my response to that be? Well, surely if he's the Lamb of God who took away my sin, it's, it's, my response is to serve him, to worship him, to follow him, to take up my cross and to follow him. Are you doing that? Have you, have you recognised the Lord Jesus Christ as your saviour and your Lord? And then in our witness to others, uh, what sort of things do we say? Well, surely the important thing is we point to the Lord Jesus Christ. We, we, we don't point, point to ourselves. We're just you know, sinful people like the rest of, rest of mankind. We just happen to be forgiven uh, sinners. We point uh, to the Lord Jesus Christ. We point to his claims and we say, consider him. What do you make of the Lord Jesus Christ? And then finally, I think an example from uh, the... The prophet, uh, John the Baptist. That we live humbly before God. How humble was John uh, the Baptist? Now let's have a lot less of, of self. And with John say, he must increase and I must decrease.